we are going to be looking at, uh, very appropriately, given the, the set list this morning, we are going to continue to look at the names of the Lord. And we are looking at a name um, this morning that really has been uh, teaching me a, a lot over the last several months, one that I have been just so grateful for on so many different days. Um, since we don't have a, a primary passage or anything, we'll begin with prayer. And so if you would, please join me in prayer. Lord, uh, we do. We, we glorify your name. We shout your praise. And so as we continue to worship you through opening your word and engaging with it and submitting to it, may you be pleased with this. May you be honored by this. May this be all for you and for your sake. Get rid of me entirely, Lord. Thank you that you have brought every one of us here and the beauty of, of assembling people as you choose and know. And so we trust you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Genesis 16, we, we have the story of Hagar. And Hagar has kind of an up and down story. There's some highs, there's some lows, there's some really painful moments. Uh, there are moments that seem to start off good and then take a pretty bad turn. And so where we come to in Genesis 16 is Hagar's kind of been betrayed. She has, she's not kind of been betrayed, she has been betrayed. Hagar's been betrayed, she's been, she's been wrong, she's been cast out. And she is in the wilderness just suffering. She's, she's feeling the emotional weight. She's feeling the relationship that was torn away. And so Hagar is not in a good place out in the wilderness. And she cries out to the Lord and he answers her. And so in verse 13, we see her response. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. That's El-Roi. It can be translated one of two ways, either God of seeing or more personally, God who sees me. And this is an incredible name of the Lord. I mean, really consider that for a second. God who sees, God who sees me. And when I consider this name, when I, when I ponder this name, when I meditate on this name, when I reflect on this name, desiring to know God so that we can praise him according to his name, like scripture says, this name, I believe, reminds us of three irrefutable truths about who God is. God of seeing it, it reminds us of his right to judge. It reminds us that God is the righteous judge. That is who he is, which for me then that keeps me humble and pursuing holiness. It reminds us of his omnipresence and his omniscience, which again should keep us humble, but then that also reassures me and I believe it should reassure us. And then finally, El Roi, God of seeing, it reminds us of his omnipotence and his sovereignty which I believe should strengthen us and embolden us and give us confidence and courage and hope and comfort. That word that we've looked at numerous times, comfort, that we have so horribly disfigured in the English language, where now we tend to think of comfort as the removal of difficulty. We think of comfort as things are easy, but really that word comfort comes from two root words, calm fortis, which means joint strength, strengthened by the presence of. So yes, knowing that God is El Roi should comfort us, not remove the difficult things, but rather strengthen us for them. 
And I want to look at each of these things as we worship the Lord according to his name. And so the first thing, El Roi, God who sees, God who sees me, this reminds me to recognize and submit to him and worship him in and think of him with reverence and awe because he is the righteous judge alone. He alone is worthy of being that. Consider these verses. 1 Samuel 16, 7, the second half. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Psalm 14, 2. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. goes on to say there are not. I think one of the, the traps that we fall into with God in a desire to be relational with him. Make no mistake, God is Father. There is a very intimate family connection with the Lord. Jesus calls us his brothers and sisters. We are called adopted into the family. But in a desire to emphasize the relational nature of God, I believe we have swung too far away from any reverence for the Lord. Any recognition that at the end of the day, this is not your buddy who you're on the softball team with, that you went to college together. Like, this is the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the righteous, sovereign judge. And so when we approach him with that lack of reverence, when we approach him with that absence of recognition of his glory and the full weight of his majesty, there's a temptation, at least in my own heart, to approach him with arrogance. When I lose sight of the reverence of the Lord, when I lose sight of the holiness of God, when I lose sight of his majesty and his splendor, it turns into a temptation to come before him cocky and proud. And so then when I hear things like the Lord looks at the heart, that pride in me, that sin, that selfishness in me wants to reply, yeah, he does. So all you haters are going to get yours. God knows I'm the man. You might not like what I have to say, but God knows I'm legit. Like, I'm tempted to immediately default to. God looks at my heart, and that's awesome because I'm always right. God looks at my heart, and that's a good thing because he knows how much better I am than everyone else. He knows that I have suffered more than you. You think you've suffered? You want to complain? No, 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 I've suffered more than you. It's a good thing. Like, I'm tempted to default into this arrogant heart. But the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 slow down, pause, consider this. The Lord looks on the heart. So I believe that should keep us humble. That should keep us hungry for holiness. That should keep us aware of our desperate need for a Savior. That should keep us aware of our desperate reliance upon him. It should keep us humble knowing that, oh man, God looks at the heart. It's my heart. I can say the right things. I can do the right things. I can show up 52 Sundays of the year. I can plaster on a smile. I can make sure people are seeing when I drop my envelope in the basket. I can go through all the motions, but man, God's looking at my heart. Where's my heart? Is my heart humble and hungry for his holiness? Is my heart pursuing him? El Roi sees. Jeremiah 16, 17, the Lord is speaking. He says, For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. That thing you did that you think nobody saw? No, God sees. Now look, don't get despondent in that. Don't get trapped in that. Don't let the enemy turn that into a spiral that never ends. Because don't forget that God sees and he loves. 
I mean, has anyone else, please don't put your hands up. I'm really not trying to make anybody feel bad. Has anybody ever had that thought creep into my mind of like, man, if they just knew the real me, they would not love me? Has anybody ever wrestled with that? You've been attacked like that? Like, oh shoot, if they actually knew me, they would want nothing to do with me. Like, man, if you actually knew me, there's no chance you're coming over to my house for lunch. But then we remember like, no, 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 God knows me. God sees me and he loves me. And he says, hey, I desire fellowship with you. What's Jesus say? He says, I'm literally standing at the door and knocking. Open it up so I can come in and have fellowship with you. So yes, it should keep us humble, but don't let it spiral into just despondency, okay? Don't let, it, don't let it just sink down into this, woe is me, I'm never good enough, I'll never measure up, see, I'm worthless. Like, stay humble, don't stay cynical and bitter, okay? That's where the enemy wants us. The enemy wants us either arrogant and cocky or cynical and just like, nope, I'm not good enough, like nobody wants anything to do with me. No, 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 allow El Roe to remind us that, hey, we got to stay humble. We have to stay pursuing holiness. We have to stay hungry for this. We have to stay searching after these things, seeking after these things. But then also take comfort that God sees you and he loves you. But he sees us. What else do we see? Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? Hebrews 4.13, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We are all exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. It's, if anything is telling as to how society views God and how we have allowed society to influence our view of God, it's the fact that we've turned the phrase, well, only God can judge me, into like a punchline. Really, I can, do, I can do what I want. Only God can judge me. Like, yeah, that should keep you pretty humble and in awe. I mean, when we sit before the throne, are we going to be like, no big deal? No, I mean, El Roe sees, he knows. He is the righteous judge. I think we need to approach him with that humility and that reverence and that awe, desiring his holiness and seeking after these things. But then I said, it's more than just that. It's more than just he sees all as righteous judge, so stay humble and maybe even kind of afraid. Like, no, it's not that. It's more, it's deeper. He sees all because, why? Because he is omnipresent and omniscient. He is everywhere and he knows everything. We just looked at verses that talk about how he knows everything. But why is this so important? Why, I mean, like, for most of you, maybe not all of us, that's okay. We all have to learn things every day. One of my favorite lines from any book ever, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle in one of the early Sherlock Holmes had Sherlock Holmes, the character, say, education never ends, Watson. Like, so that's okay if you don't know it. Learn something new today. That's great, right? But most of us, I'm guessing most of us, have heard that God is omnipresent and omniscient before. Well, how should that affect us day to day? Knowing that God is omnipresent, knowing that God is omniscient, what should that do for us day to day as we worship him in the splendor of his majesty and the fullness of his name? Well, first, I think it should reassure us. It should reassure us because we can know that he doesn't miss details. There's nothing that escapes him. He's not caught off guard or surprised by anything. Job 34, 21 to 22 for his eyes are on the ways of a man, and he sees all his steps. There is no gloom or deep darkness where evildoers may hide themselves. 
Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every, in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So why should it reassure us that he isn't missing details? I want to tell you about, I don't know, eight-year-old Sam, nine-year-old Sam, ten-year-old Sam. I wish this was a one-off thing. This was not a one-off thing. As the firstborn, as the oldest, anybody else, who's the firstborn? Who's the oldest? Congratulations on being the third parent, right? And so I, I took my role as the third parent very seriously. And I wanted to make sure the other two parents, the ones that were slacking, knew any time my younger brother or sister, you know, messed up and did something wrong. It's like, hey, did you see that? What are we going to do about it? Like, I would say, I'd go to my parents and be like, yeah, so uh, guys, we need to talk. You know, Joe did this. What are we, what are we going to do about that? And my mom and dad had a response that drove me so crazy as a kid. And now looking back as an adult, I'm like, huh, maybe they were onto something. My mom and dad would say, hey, Sam, thank you so much. We really appreciate your concern. When we need your help or advice on parenting, we'll ask for it. Like, we've got it covered. We really appreciate your concern, but we'll, we'll handle the parenting, okay? God, did you see what they did? Hey, 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 you saw that, right? That commercial, you, that stance they just took, you, you saw that, right? What are we going to do about it? Guys, God doesn't miss details. God doesn't need my help, your help, as Father. He's got this. He's got his eye on this. So when we start to panic, when we start to freak out, when we start to, well, well, well they're doing something wrong. They need to be held accountable. Like, God didn't miss it. God wasn't distracted over here and he didn't realize what was happening in this area. So knowing that God is omnipresent and omniscient because he is El Roe, because he's the God who sees, that should, it should reassure us, it should calm us down. It should take that weight, that responsibility off our soul. Like, hey, if you're someone who thinks you need to police the world, I've got great news for you. You are probably overwhelmed. Your to-do list is probably 10 miles long. Take that off your to-do list. Okay? That's not your responsibility. El Roe sees He's responsible. He's there. He knows. We don't have to let that bog us down and weigh us down. That is who he is. And then also, it should reassure us. So there's, there's two aspects of reassuring. It should reassure us for when we want to be that petty selfish, right? Like that older brother who wanted to make sure the younger brother got in trouble. My parents were like, no, man, that's not where your heart needs to be. So it should reassure us in that regard. But then it should also reassure us because God sees what's around the corner that we don't. God sees what's 10 steps ahead. God sees what's one step ahead. God sees what's behind that door. That question you have that you don't know the answer to and you're freaking out about, God sees it. God sees the path. He sees the steps. He sees the outcome. I mean, really think about the peace that's in there. What, what adds to the tension in, in those scary movies, those scary, like the jump scares? Why are jump scares so effective? Because we hate not knowing. Like if somebody all of a sudden right now under your seat like grabbed your leg, you would, you would flinch because you didn't know it was down there. And so when we don't know what's somewhere, when we don't know what's around the corner, when we don't know what's next, when we're desperate to have that question answered, we get all worked up and we get fearful and we get anxious and we get panicky. 
and we get overwhelmed. And we need to take a breath and say, oh, El Roe sees. So I'm not called to know what's next. I'm not meant to know what's behind that door. I'm not meant to know what's around the corner. I'm meant to keep in step with the Spirit. I'm meant to follow God where He leads. He's got the destination figured out. Listen to these scriptures. Genesis 12.1 Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He didn't give him an end destination. He didn't give him a route. He just said, head in that direction. Go out that door, make a left. I'll tell you when to stop. Well, what should I pack? I'm not going to tell you where you're going to end. Well, how long is it going to take me to get there? You'll find out. God says, hey, go. And Abram went. Consider Exodus 13. This is an incredible, incredible passage when you think about El Roi, when you think about who God is and always has been for his people. This is Exodus 13, starting in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, so this is after the people have been rescued from Egypt. They've, they've come out of Egypt, they've crossed the Red Sea, they're in the wilderness, and we see this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Why is that detail in there? Although that was near. Because that might have been the first route they would have tried. I mean, like, if I told you, like, hey, you have to get from here to my house, how many of you are going to be like, okay, what's the longest way? Well, you're going to want to head up to Canada, hop over to Niagara, and then come back down. No, we want to know what's fast, what's easy, what's close to hand. God says no. He did not lead them by the way of the land of Philistines, though that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Because see, he sees the details. He sees what's down that route. He sees what's down that path. And because he sees, he knows. And he says, no, 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 that's not where I'm taking you. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went out upon the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire uh, to give light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. And I misspoke. This was before they crossed the Red Sea. So, little edit. But think about it. God's taking them to the Red Sea. He could have, hey, go to the Red Sea. And they're like, oh, we know where the Red Sea is. And they head out. And God says, hey, I'm going to show you. Here's the pillar of fire. Here's the pillar of smoke. Follow. He knows what's next. He knows what's happening. He knows what's ahead. And he's just called us to follow. He's called us to obey. He's called us to go. Our responsibility is not to be the one who sees. Because we're not omnipresent and we're not omniscient. I mean, think of, we've said this before, we've talked about this before, and, and we're kind of getting into the next thing that El Roe reminds us of. Think about how many problems in our life arise because we try and pretend to be one of the omni-words. 
God is omniscient, omniscient. God knows everything. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. God is omnipotent. He is capable of helping everyone. How often do the headaches in our own lives arise because we try and pretend like we can be everywhere, helping everyone, being everything for them? Well, I can be here helping you, and I can be at home with my family, and I can be there, and I can be over here, and I'm available for coffee 24 Like, we try and be omnipresent, and it burns us out. And then we don't ask for help because surely I can figure it out. I know I don't need your help because we try and pretend to be omniscient. And then it gets too much and all of a sudden it's like, oh shoot, I'm not omnipotent. Guys, we were never meant to be El Roi. Why? Because God is El Roi. God is the God who sees. God is the God who knows what's next, who knows what's around the bend. God is the God who knows the details. He knows what's happening. He's in charge of it all. So let his name of El Roi reassure us that we don't have to carry that weight of management. We don't have to carry that responsibility. We don't have to know what's next. We just have to know who God is and what he's calling us to today. This is the joy of knowing El Roi. And then finally, he's El Roi. He's the God who sees, the God who sees you, which should remind you that he is omnipotent and sovereign. Nothing happens outside of his authority. Nothing happens outside of his majesty, of his power. There is nothing that happens that he is not sovereign over, that he is not capable of dealing with. So this should comfort us. This should give us strength and encouragement because those things that terrify us, those things that make us panicked and afraid, God is omnipotent and sovereign over them. Listen to these verses. 2 Chronicles 16.9. Listen to this verse, my friends. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. The eyes of the Lord. This wonderful anthropomorphization of God run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Really think about that. Think about 2 Chronicles 16, 9 there. Meditate on that. Chew on that for a second. God is actively looking for those whose heart is blameless to do what? To give support to them. So when you feel like, man, I'm all alone, I'm trying to do the right thing, I'm trying to live righteously, does anybody see, does anybody care? God says, I am actively searching you out in that so that I can help you. Wow. Wow. God. Yahweh. Elohim, Adonai, all these names we've looked at. He says he is actively, his eyes run to and fro throughout the land, searching for the one whose heart is blameless so that he can lend support to him. Job 31.4, does he not see my ways and number all my steps? Job knew. Consider Psalm 34. We, we touched on this in our series on Psalms. But I really want to read a good chunk of Psalm 34. This is starting in verse 4. This is David writing this psalm. So David wrote this psalm when he is fleeing from Abimelech. Wait a minute. Phil just preached recently on David and his relationship with royalty. I thought David was fleeing from Saul most of the time. Correct. 
Did you know David was, or Saul was not the only one trying to kill David? So David is fleeing from Saul. Saul's over here trying to murder David. David's like, I'll run this way. This way's safe. This is not Saul. David gets over here. It's Abimelech, who now Abimelech is going to kill him. And so David had to pretend to be literally insane. Like David had to pretend to be insane so that the person who he's trying to be safe around will also not kill him. And David writes this psalm. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Remember back the first thing we looked at? Knowing God is, is El Roi should keep us humble and pursuing holiness. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The eyes of the Lord, El Roi, God who sees, God who sees you, God who sees you, his eyes are toward the righteous and his ears are turned to their cry. Come on. Do you know how painful it is to feel like nobody sees you or listens to you? And God says, I do. My eyes are toward you. My ear is turned to your cry when you are righteous. That's beautiful. That's incredible. Talk about strength. Talk about peace. Talk about, okay, you want to be overwhelmed by life? No, no, no. El Roe sees me. He's turned towards me. I'm his. Because remember, when we're his, we are what? We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We've looked at that word imputation, imputed. This fancy theological word that means our sin was, was put upon Christ and Christ's righteousness was put upon us. So when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He knows us. He sees us. He sees our brokenness. This isn't we stop sinning. We're going to keep struggling with it. We're going to keep fighting against it. But he sees us in that and he sees the righteousness of Christ, the atoning sacrifice. And he says, my eyes are toward you. My ear is inclined toward your cry. That same verse, verse 15, is quoted then in 1 Peter 3. This is throughout Scripture. Consider Matthew 6, 4. Jesus is speaking. He says, Do this so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I mean, talk about reassurance. Talk about comfort. Again and again, I'm going to keep saying that because this is what Scripture reminds us of. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That patience that you demonstrate with that family member, that neighbor, that coworker where you continue to labor away and you continue to love them despite every unloving thing they do to you, every unloving thing they say to you, 
and you're exhausted from it, you're like, man, just, won't somebody recognize the work I'm putting? Your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's El Roe, he sees. Take heart, my friends. Stand strong. Stand firm. Plant your feet. Knowing that God sees when we are in righteousness. Matthew 10, 29 and 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are of more value than many sparrows. Company, okay? This is an imperfect metaphor. You get a big company, right? And you're like, oh, the manager never notices me. The boss never notices me. The captain never notices me. The teacher at school never noticed me. Right? Like, I'm always the one that's overlooked. I'm always the one passed over as people are paying attention to, giving their focus to, keeping their eyes on the more impressive ones, the more flashy ones. Like, I'm the one that people skip over. Right? God notices the sparrows. And he knows them. And he knows what happens to them. And he's paying attention to that because he cares and he is sovereign. I mean, think about like, maybe this is me being mean to birds. I think it's really fun to clap your hands really loud when they're all in a tree and see how many, like, and then try and like count how many. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being a little kid, right? But you're like, oh, look at all those birds. I can't count how many birds pop out of that one tree. God knows. God knows. God knows how many sparrows there are. He keeps account of everyone. He keeps track of everyone. He sees everyone. And then what does he say? He says, you are so infinitely more valuable to me than a sparrow. So even when we feel like everyone else has looked us over, even when we feel like everyone else has passed us by, even when we feel like everyone else is skipping us, God says, I see you. I love you. That's strength. That is comfort for the hard times. That is comfort for the lonely times. That is comfort for the scary times. To know, oh man, I'm in God's gaze. World, what you got? Like, I'm in God's gaze. Job, he sees my days, he numbers my steps. Sweet, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to think about it. God's got it. I mean, this is who El Roe is. It should keep us humble. It should keep us hungry for holiness. It should give us peace. It should give us reassurance. It should give us confidence. Okay, so I know I just have to live right. Will I do it perfectly? No. But I just have to stay in step with the Spirit. That's my concern. That's my call. And he sees that. And his eyes are towards me in that. This is awesome. This is a great name. This is a beautiful name. This is a humbling name. And so now I want to read a bit of a longer passage. I want to read Psalm 139. And before we do, we're going we're gonna to pray. Because my guess is, my thought is, that this is hitting different one of us in different ways. 
Maybe the Holy Spirit is doing some convicting. Maybe that first point, right? Like, hey, God sees what you think you cover up, what you think nobody notices, God sees. Maybe that hits you and that conviction is starting to work away at your heart and you're like, oh, shoot. Maybe you've been feeling dejected. Maybe you've been feeling passed over. Maybe you've been feeling lonely and you need to be reminded that like, no, God sees you and he loves you. So my guess is this is hitting us in different ways because our hearts are all in different places. So we're about to read Psalm 139 and look at El Roi in this psalm. But before we do, would you join me in prayer? Lord, you know where we are. You know the part of your word that grates up against our pride. You know the part of your word that, that soothes the wound and the hurt. I mean, you wield your sword perfectly. And so... God, if if your children need you to use your sword to defend them, defend them in this time from the enemy, if your children need your sword to cut something away in their life, cut something off their heart, do that. Uh, May you please use your scripture as as only you can. As we meditate on, we praise you as El Roi. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, listen. Listen to Psalm 139. Listen for omniscience. Listen for omnipresence. Listen for omnipotence. Listen for righteousness. Listen for mercy. Listen for these things. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be my night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Quick pause. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a work of God. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Don't listen to the enemy. You are part of God's work that he declares wonderful. Not our sin, but who you are as his child. All right, let's resume. Verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. 
How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I mean, El Roi, he sees you. He knows you. He knows what's next. That hard question, that hard decision, that scary thing, that fearful phone call, that painful conversation, that broken relationship, that financial worry, that test result, whatever it is, God sees it. He knows it. He sees you. He knows you. So it's not on us to be the one who sees everything. It's not on us to be the one who knows what's around the corner, who sees the end result. It's on us to be the one who says, okay, then I will pursue righteousness. I will be holy. I will look for you, Lord. I will live for you, Lord. And in that, I know that that's what your eyes are looking for. That's, I know, I know that's who you're searching for to give strength and support to. So I'm not going to try and be El Roe. I'm going to be who he called me to be. As we consider these things this week, let's read Psalm 33. Let's all read Psalm 33. One psalm, that's it. Seven days, one psalm. You can do it. We can do it. If you can't, call me. We'll do it together. Dead serious. Let's read Psalm 33. And then pray in response to Psalm 33. Listen to God. Pray as led by the Holy Spirit in response to Psalm 33. And then as you reflect, all right, if, if one of God's names is El Roe and God says, praise him according to his name, know him according to his name, worship him according to his name, how does knowing that God is El Roe affect you this week? To give you peace? Do you need the reassurance of it? Do you need the confidence of it? Do you need the comfort of it? Do you need the humility that comes from it? Like, what, a, what do you need? Ask the Lord to show it to you. Ask the Lord to sharpen you as El Roe who sees where you need to be lifted up or where you need to be sharpened. Or both. Probably both. Both for me. Alright? It's pretty incredible when you think about it that the Lord of the universe, the God of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who holds it all together by his power says, hey, I see you. What a wonderful gaze to be held in. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you. We are so grateful for who you are. Even if we're feeling conviction and, and we need to change, we need to be molded by you, Lord, we are grateful that you see us and you care enough to do the molding, to do the scraping away, to do the sharpening. Lord, that you have not abandoned us, you have not cast us aside. 
that you see us and you work on us and you lift us up and you give us strength and you give us support. God, we praise you as El Roi. We are grateful for who you are and that you have allowed us to know you as such. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.